People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Realm of the Supernatural, also available on the Paranormal UK Radio Network. Right, today we have a guest on, uh, Long Strickler, who some of you may have come across in the past. He does run the um, Phantoms and Monsters website, uh, and there's loads of information on there, so if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, he comes on mainly to talk about Mothman sightings. Yep, that's still a thing, it's still going on. Uh, and it really is interesting when you start looking at the reports and trying to get your head around it and trying to come up with an idea of what actually is going on because everyone's the old gambit, you know, from alien to interdimensional being, um, crypto, you know, some cryptid. It's, it, you know, all of the above and none of the above. It's kind of one of those. So it's fascinating. It really, really is interesting. So he comes on to talk a little bit about that. Uh, obviously, there's no Andy today. The low astral beings have got him again. Um, you know, he's getting old now. He needs that flu jab, but he won't take it because of the vaccines. You know, you know all that. So um, get well soon, Andy. And uh, right, without further ado, I give you Lon Strickler. <laughs> Right, well, first of all, I just want to thank you for joining me tonight. No problem. And uh, you're here to talk a little bit about some ongoing cases you're working on, and then some of your own experiences as well. So I thought maybe mm-hmm. we could start with, because um, we're probably going to be talking about the Mothman, I wondered if we could start with maybe your encounter with a Mothman-like being. Yeah, this was uh, the autumn of 1988. Um I had bumped into an old friend of mine. Uh, I was actually living down near Baltimore, Maryland at the time. So uh, we had known each other when we were kids. We had been in Boy Scouts together and such. I I hadn't seen him for for almost 12 years. So, uh, but after a while, we we got to talking and uh, he knew that I was into the paranormal. Uh, and he had been fascinated for years with the, uh, and I was as well, the ghost sightings and such, all the, the activity in the Gettysburg area since it was nearby. Well, anyway, he was telling me that, uh, a few of the local Boy Scout troops had been camping at the old Camp Conewago and that some of the boys had reported hearing crying sounds. And it spooked them bad enough that a lot of them left their campsites early. So they decided that he and another guy who was involved with the the Boy Scouts in the area were going to go up there that next weekend and and check it out. So he asked me if I was interested in coming up. I said, yeah, you know, I'd come along. So, you know, I got up there the the next Friday. And we met up at the campsite, I mean, at the camp, and we, you know, grabbed the gear and went into the, uh, went into the woods 
up along the Kanawha Creek and set up camp. So um, we set up three tents and uh, had a nice fire going. And it was about, by that time, it was about 7 p.m. So we had just decided to stick around the campsite for the rest of the evening. Now, the first night was pretty uneventful. And um, though I had a sense something was watching us. I mean, you just get that feeling that something is watching us. You know, I didn't say much. Um, I kept my eyes open. And uh, these woods are, are really thick. I mean, especially in the fall. A lot of ground cover, a lot of wildlife. And, uh, you know, we, you know, so it could, you know, you're always wary about what may happen or whatever. But, you know, I thought for the most part, what these kids were hearing were, were animal sounds of some type that were just being misidentified. So anyway, uh, the next morning, nice, cool, sunny morning, we, uh, we decided to explore the woods. Now, we sat down for breakfast. The other gentleman mentioned something about hearing footsteps and movement in the campsite during the night. And my friend had just, he had slept through us, so he, he never heard anything. Though I did hear, I did hear some, some footsteps and movement. I just thought it was one of them getting up to relieve himself or, or something. So I didn't think much about it. But anyway, we uh, we spent the whole day in the woods. We I don't know how long we or how far we hiked, but we were out most of the day. And you know, we were just trying to assess the area, maybe pick up some information on what's been going on. But quite frankly, you know, it's just really nothing. So we got back to camp. It was about six p.m. by that time. So later that evening, we were just sitting around the campfire and. Uh, talking and suddenly and i guess this was about 11 o'clock we heard a scream ring out downstream from our location now i i thought it sounded like an owl at first but a few minutes later it happened again and it sounded distinctively like a child screaming now i couldn't tell how far away it was lasted for several seconds and it kind of faded in and out. So we got up, walked a few yards into the woods, expecting to hear the sound again. But, it, you know, it was no no sound. So we went back to you know, sat down. And, uh, you know, for about an hour, we didn't hear a thing, you know, nothing. So we just speculated it was something, you know, some of the wildlife. So... Uh, but we decided we we're going to stay up for the whole evening just in case. So it, it was, a, I think it was probably a full moon that night, but I know there was enough light that the woods and the creek were fairly visible. So I'd say approximately about 1 a.m. I was up stretching my legs and I was walking the perimeter of the camp when I suddenly felt like something was watching me. So I just stood still for a while to try to figure out what was going on. So I walked back and I told both of the guys that, you know, I felt kind of strange, like something was watching us. Why don't we get up and just take a walk down the trail a bit and see what's going on? So we got up, we started walking 
up the trail and you know we didn't get more than 50 foot away from the campsite and we all recognized a large dark figure with bright red eyes standing in the creek now the creek was fairly shallow this time and by the time we got our flashlights on this thing it whooshed shot straight up into the air like a rocket and a few minutes later, we heard another scream as it faded away, you know, as it moved away from us. So we were fairly positive that's what people were hearing. But <laughs> we we hurried back to the campsite and compared thoughts about about whatever this was. My friend, he was shook, and he was shook up, and he didn't talk for several minutes until I prodded him to give me an idea what he thought it was. The other The other guy was... He was surprisingly calm, and he estimated it was about six foot or so, dark in color. And he noticed something extending from its back. And I also noted the structures, noticed the structures on its back. And I commented that kind of, I thought it was probably wings. But we never saw the wings open up or unfurl when this thing shot up. It just like, it shot up like a rocket. But we all agreed it had bright red eyes. And, uh, you know, since it jettisoned so fast, we didn't get a chance to get a good look at it with the flashlights. So my friend, he was upset. So he didn't want to stick around the campsite anymore that night. So him and the other guy, they went up to the administration building. And they stayed there for the evening. I wanted to see what was going on. So I stayed at the campsite. I, I didn't know what it was. And... Um, but quite frankly, nothing else happened that night. And at the time, I really didn't know what it was. You know, I had heard of the uh, of the Mothman sightings back in the 60s, and I was all aware of that, fully aware of that. I wasn't really thinking if that was what this was or something similar to that. But a few years later, I got a... Um, after I started the blog and I, I wrote this account in the blog, I got I got a uh, response from a gentleman who lived downstream a bit, upstream a bit, and uh, he was and he was telling me that he had been hearing those screams for over twenty years. He you know he never knew what it was, and he was very aware of it. So that was in 2008. So that was about 20 years after I had my encounter. So not long after that, a scout leader emailed me. It was approximately the same time as I got the other inquiry. And he was telling me that a few of the boys in his troop had witnessed what they described as a dragon. And that it was six foot tall with wings and a tail but it looked like it had fur feathers. Now, he said the boys seemed serious, but he thought they were just showing off. But And he didn't believe what they were telling him until I he read what I had written. So since that time, I have been given five accounts up, I mean, along the Conewago Creek. Now, the Conewago Creek extends about... 15 miles from that area in, in, as it empties into the Susquehanna River. So there have been several sightings on other areas of the creek. 
So it's obvious this thing has been, you know, sticking in the creek area, uh, at the, you know, along the whole length. And the last sighting that I received was about three years ago. So I, I don't know if it's still around, still going on, but, uh, yeah, that's what I, that's what I encountered. And quite frankly, I've been very interested in these, uh, these winged beings, winged humanoids since then. Yeah, well, I can understand that. A lot of people go either one or two ways. They either see something, you know, abnormal, strange, and, and want to pursue it everywhere, you know, everywhere it goes. Or, or they go the other way, where they're just basically going to some sort of denial and then want nothing to do with the subject. So, right. you know, it's, it's weird how that happens. But, well, I had been a paranormal investigator since the 70s. Yeah, I mean, and in fact, I, you know, that wasn't something that you heard much about back then. No. It's not like it is now. It seems like everybody in the neighborhood's got every neighborhood's got somebody who does paranormal investigations. But frankly, I, you know, I was kind of low key about it. I, you know, I just went and did investigations for spirit activity and such at individual homes or businesses and such. But you know, I had a Bigfoot encounter in 81 here in Maryland uh, when I was living down there. And um, then I had this in 88. So, you know, I really got into almost all aspects of the paranormal and supernatural after all those uh, occurrences. So that's led to where things are nowadays. Indeed. So... You say it took off and was straight up, so there was no, there was no sound, there was no flapping of wings. No, I didn't ever hurt any flapping of wings. No, I mean, looking back on that sighting with today's eyes, what, you know, where do you put it on the spectrum? I mean, from, uh, you know, obviously known animal, we can pretty much rule that out. But where do you, where would you put it between sort of, you know, an actual cryptid or, you know, maybe some sort of man-made, you know, exoskeleton? Uh, suit thing well i i've pretty well ruled out something that's man-made mm. and i've i've ruled out anything that's natural at least on our plane of existence i believe uh you know and we've had hundreds of sightings of winged humanoids over the years but the past two years i've collected almost 70 to 75 sightings in in chicago and the upper midwest including others in the united states and in canada and uh some of those witnesses noticed that this being would suddenly disappear like it went through a, a hidden veil somewhere so i'm at, i'm into thinking that this is probably flesh and blood but it's an interdimensional type of being that it travels through portals and such. And be quite frank with you, I, I believe a lot of cryptids are interdimensional beings, as well as possibly uh, non-dimension, uh, non-terrestrial beings, aliens and such, may also be, uh, you know, able to do that as well. Yeah, well, quite possibly. I mean, you know. Obviously, you've taken quite a lot of um, sightings, accounts-wise. And do, do you ever get 
like a family group of these mothmen because it seems the all the ones that I've come across it's it's an individual. I um I don't I only had one sighting out of the whole all all the sightings we've had the past couple of years where there were two individuals. Okay. And uh, that was over the uh, over Lake Michigan where the witnesses stated that they saw two of these things flying around each other. That's the only, uh, that's the only multiple sighting of multiple beings sighting that we had received. I believe during 2017, when we were getting the, uh, the majority of the reports out of Chicago and the Chicago area, that there was at least three beings that people were seeing. So there were, I believe fairly certain that there were more than one. Okay, and what what makes you believe that was the just description wise? Just just by the locations, um, the area, how quickly they were moving from place to place, yeah. which I believe would have been impossible unless they were traveling interdimensionally to place to place. But some of the aspects, some of the uh, descriptions were a bit different. The way they reacted were a bit different. It was subtle, but uh, I just I just believe that some areas received more sightings than others. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of sightings on on the lakefront in Chicago, a lot of sightings in one of the neighborhoods, the little village neighborhood, and there were a lot of sightings out in the suburbs as well. So, I you know, and in, in, in northern Indiana, so I believe that um, I, I believe there was at least three of them. Interesting. So, do you, do you want to tell us? Uh, obviously, you're still looking into this, and I, I think that will come as quite a surprise to a lot of people that this is, you know, an ongoing thing. It's not something that you know happened years ago and it's sort of been put to bed. This is still ongoing. People are seeing these, uh, well, with quite, um, you know, quite frequently, really. So, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the cases that you've been working on currently? Well. You know, when this all started out, actually in 2011, there were three sightings in the city of Chicago. Uh, they were fairly well noted, and uh, you know, there you know there was a some talk about it at the time, but then you know the, all the sightings stopped. Mm. Subsequently, there were a few spottings of similar beings in and around the Chicago, well, mostly outside of Chicago, uh, in other parts of Illinois. But in 2017, we re started receiving the bulk of the sightings. And the early sightings were actually very similar to the, the Mothman, the Mothman that was seen in Point Pleasant with the uh, insectoid-type wings and such, uh, the red eyes. And then they kind of, the, the subsequent sightings, were more of the owl man type, the Lacusa with the uh, owl-like wings and the red eyes. They were fairly consistent on body size, kind of thin body that was five to six foot in height and a wingspan that went anywhere from 10 to 15 foot. Uh, very similar sightings. Then as time went on, the sightings were of a bat-winged gargoyle-like being. 
Now, I don't know if these were just misidentifications or these were different beings. I'm, I'm not really sure. We've, we've looked into that, and we really haven't made much of a determination if these were the different beings. But we have been, uh, I, I'd say, 95% of what we're getting from from early summer of 2017 until now, and I'm just not talking in just in Chicago, have been these batwing, gargoyle-wing type beings. And uh, currently, most of the sightings that we are getting are in the uh, central, the northern Indiana area. We have received some historical sightings as well, but we have had some sightings within the past month. Okay. So that's what we're working on now. And, of course, we're taking, we're taking any sighting reports from anywhere, quite frankly. But... Uh, you know, we had during the time that this was going on in Chicago, we had uh, three sightings in Pasco County, Florida, and one down in uh, Texas. Uh, and there had been several in Texas over the years. And then we had two others in Ohio. And of course, we've had since I live here in Pennsylvania, and that's where I had my sighting. We've had several in Pennsylvania over the years. Okay, so do you want to tell us some of the best encounters? And at what sort of what's the ratio of people seeing this in uh, you know more than one witness at a time? What's that again? Would you say it's a high ratio of people you know witnessing this more than one person at a time? So it's not like one individual seeing this. This is a group. It varies. I, I'd say. Um... I'd say it's maybe 50-50 where you get, you know, one person or a pair or a group of people. Mm. Uh, it, it's pretty it's pretty well spread out. And, it, you know, it's it's the social economic, uh, you know, aspect of the witnesses. It varies. I mean, it's, it's all neighborhoods, all people, all races. We've had a, a lot of different sightings. Do you want to tell, talk about some of the sightings? Uh... Well, I, I think some of the most interesting sightings are, uh, well, the one in particular, I'd say, was the uh, the sighting by the Chicago police officers, which happened in, um, well, in fact, this is, this is this was the, the, the email and the report that we received from the, the, the police officer. He said, I'm going to tell you about something that happened to me on the night of June 29, 2017 in Chicago, Illinois. I am reporting this of my own volition, and I am wanting to stay anonymous due to the fact that I work for the Chicago Police Department. And I do not want anyone else to know that I submitted this report. I've been with the Chicago Police Department for eight and a half years. The only people who know that I submitted this are my wife, my son who encouraged me to submit this, and my partner who also was witness to the incident. I want you to know that I am of sound mind and health, and I don't want any publicity other than just reporting this incident. Now, I also want you to know I'm not prone to fits of fantasy or hoaxing anything that I've seen, especially while I'm on duty. Now, on the night... June 29, 2017, at approximately 11.15 p.m., 
My partner and I were on routine patrol approaching the intersection on West 81st and South Throop in Auburn Gresham neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. We were flagged down by a group of people who were pointing up to the top of an apartment building that was on the corner. We pulled over and they immediately started telling us to look up at the building. Many of the people were very frightened and were very excited about seeing what they had seen. Now, my partner and I look and see a large creature that was approximately six to six and a half foot tall and very thin. If it had been a human, it would have been emaciated. This thing was standing on top of the building and had what looked like a pair of very large wings that extended out at least eight to ten feet from the tip to tip. No discernible features. It just looked like a dark black shadow with wings. Now, my partner and I both thought it was somebody trying to jump in the building and maybe wearing a costume of some time. So when we both shined our flashlights to try to get a better look at what we were dealing with, this thing took off into the air and flew away. As this creature flew away, headed in the southern directions, something sounding like a scream came from it. And within a matter of five seconds, this creature was gone into the night. The people who initially flagged us down had said that many people in the neighborhood had seen this thing for the previous two nights. And this just happened to be the only time that was seen in a stationary place. Now, we, uh, we stood there stunned as, uh, as this thing flew away and disappeared in the night. We stood there and talked to the group of people who flagged us down taking information down and any information regarding previous sightings from the nights before. We initially were doubtful about following a report because we thought we would made fun of for seeing little green men. We finally filed a report as we did not want to violate protocol. Nothing was ever said about the report being filed. And as of right now, it's been business as usual. We wanted to file this report because after I told my son the story, he went online and showed me that this is not the only setting of something similar being seen in the city. I showed my partner the day after the sighting, and he said that he didn't want to be involved. And as far as he was concerned, it was nothing more than a large owl or big bird that was misidentified. My son was the one who encouraged me to file this, and I do it anonymously to protect my identity. I know what I saw, and even though I have no explanation as to what it truly is, I know that what I saw was flesh and blood. I am a Christian man who believes that there are things to come that come from other planes and stalk the people of this earth and that only one's faith is what protects us from these things. I know that my faith is strong and therefore I am protected and I hope that I never see this thing again. Thank you very much for your time and have a blessed day. Now, the interesting thing about this was he was, this wasn't really the only police officers who had seen this thing over the time. We had talked to other police officers who did not want to make reports, but they were aware of these sightings. Also, I had a, um, about a week later, one of the witnesses, one of the citizens who flagged the police down contacted me and pretty well said the same thing about the sighting. We had contacted the city on several occasions 
about seeing the report, but and we had filed Freedom of Information Act um, request, but each time we were told that nothing was filed. But the, the funny thing about that was when you file a, a Freedom of Information Act request, it usually takes several weeks to get a reply. We were getting these replies within days. Yeah. And uh, it, it kind of seemed they were waiting for it to come in to get right back to us. Yeah. I had talked to several people who worked for the city, including police officers. And, I di- and one of the witnesses later on worked in City Hall. And she told me that uh, that the mayor's office was definitely aware of what was going on, but they were trying to tamp it down as much as possible. And, you know, during this investigation, we had no cooperation with the city at all. We tried to get a um, security companies in the areas of the settings to show us video. They did not want to cooperate at all. So, uh, you know, this investigation has been all of our own volition and uh, was done primarily, you know, by talking on the phone to people or having boots on the ground with other investigators that work with me in the area. It's interesting that private companies don't even want to be part of it, you know, don't want to get involved. So. Well, it, it doesn't surprise me. No. I, I guess it's, you know, liability issues may come into effect. Uh, but no, you know, if it's something that has nothing to do with what they do, uh, they, they they won't help, you know. That's just the way things are. Yeah, it's funny how uh, CCTV footage seems to go missing at, you know, convenient times for these... Uh these people as well but what, what about actual uh, you know attacks has, has there been any attacks on people there have been some encounters that seemed somewhat aggressive okay uh we had people well we had an earlier um i had an earlier report from a few years before this i believe it was 2015 where a couple were chased by one of these beings while they were in their car. It was in the city of Chicago. And the woman who was the passenger, when she got out of her car at home, this thing did attack her and left a pretty good gash on her back. Uh, I never saw any photographs. I never talked directly to the witness. This was by uh, a friend of their son who recounted everything uh the parents were um they just want to keep wanted to keep it quiet i had all now during the 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 spat of sightings that we had some of the encounters in the little village area were uh somewhat aggressive where this thing would be seen the the witnesses would try to run away and this thing would take off and land in front of them uh they took it as aggressive yeah like there was another them, they, them leaving almost right there was another sighting where a couple were in their car and this thing landed on the hood of the car while they were in a parking lot and acted as if it was trying to get at them but because of the windshield it uh it wasn't able to do so 
Yeah, that type of thing. I mean, no real attacks, but there was some aggression. Hmm. Now we had had we had had encounters, very close encounters. Uh, we had a couple who had run across this thing as they were uh, at a con their mother's condominium. They were out walking that evening, and they saw this thing fly in front of them. They took off toward the entrance to the condo. And it slowly descended in front of them and hovered in front of them. Uh, their their reaction was that it was a uh, same size as the other sightings, the bat wing type thing, but it hovered in midair, and uh, that it, it caused the woman to actually lose bat, lose control of herself, and she fell to the ground. Uh, very dramatic. Other people had seen it because some they noticed that uh, at least one camera flashed from across the street. So people had seen it. We tried to get now since it was close to the uh, the entrance of the condo, we tried to get uh, information. Tried to get cam footage, security cam footage from the condo, and of course, again, we weren't we. Got no cooperation at all from them. There was uh, another very interesting encounter that took place in a town called Bolingbrook, which is west of uh, west of Chicago. And this was a phone call that I received as soon as the woman had, and her had got back home. After her son and her had gone back out to look at this thing, they came back and she called me right away. Now, I had been advertising on you know, putting ads out for, for sighting reports. So if people put in their, you know, winged humanoid or flying whatever, you know, I, my ad would come up. So my contact information was there. Well, anyway... This interest. This was an interesting encounter because it took place in the playground area of Indian Boundary Park, which is in Bolingbrook, Illinois. It's a southwest suburb of Chicago, and the witness, which was the woman, states that she was norm. It was had normal routine of walking in the park at night. Now, on Wednesday, August second, two thousand seventeen, at approximately ten thirty p.m. local time. The witness who wished to remain anonymous, <clears throat> since the area is a fairly tight-knit community. Uh, she was in the playground area of the park when she came upon a seven- to eight-foot-tall being standing in the middle of a pathway. Now, the witness initially thought that this was two people embracing, but was surprised at the height. She also noticed a sucking and slobbering sound coming from the being. She felt like she was being drawn to the being as well as feeling a sense of foreboding. Now, when she grabbed her cell phone in order to capture a photo, she was shocked when the being slowly turned towards her. She was overcome with fear. She quickly realized this was not two people embracing, but a single tall, dark humanoid. The witness got the feeling that somehow knew that she was going to take a photo and then reacted. She mentioned that she felt like she was being lured towards the humanoid. 
The being had exceptional broad shoulders and looked like it was wearing a thick black unknown material. The head was human-like but quite small in size. She was within 15 foot of the being but never noticed any eyes or facial features. Uh, there was enough moonlight available so she was able to get an excellent look at this being. Now, she immediately took another pathway in order to get away from the being, but soon started to experience intense weakness and fear. She had to sit and gather herself on one of the benches while keeping an eye out for the being. Eventually, she got to her feet and quickly followed another path home. Now, when the witness arrived at her home, she relayed the experience to her son, who recommended that they drive back to the park and see if the being was still there. Now, as they approached, they drove around the location. Then the son noticed a dark, large dark shadow emerged from and stood up by nearby by a nearby bush. He stated that it peered at him, though he didn't see any eyes or face. He just knew that it was watching him and that he was overcome by intense apprehension. They quickly headed home. When they arrived home, they were both very scared and upset, not knowing what to do. Should they report the incident to the local authorities or remain quiet? Eventually, they went online and found my contact information. When I talked to the witness, she was shocked at the number of sightings in the Chicago metro area. She had no knowledge of any of the previous incidents. Uh, it was quite obvious that she was still very scared and was afraid that the being may know where she lived at. And uh, I asked her to keep in contact me. You know, she thought of anything else or heard of any other sightings. So that was quite interesting. Uh, well, that's, I mean, that, that little bit there at the end where she says she felt like it knew where she ought to live. I mean, it's a strange comment. Well, it? that's something we heard from some of the other witnesses. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting with this phenomena, uh, when we got witness reports, and in particular, when I would talk to people on the phone, and I talked to, I'd say, 80% of the witnesses by phone, uh, they stuck with their story. And that isn't normal. normally what happens when you get a cryptid sighting or such. Um, you know, I would try to get them to embellish on the sighting, but they stuck with their original, their original sighting report. That's unusual. Hmm. So they were so they were so shocked by what they saw that uh, you know it left an impression. You know, I the, the one big question that I got from a lot of people was, well, why didn't they take a photograph? You know, everybody's got a cell phone. Well, there are reasons for that. First of all, the shock the shock value of it. Um, these these sightings overall were fairly fleeting. Uh, they didn't last for more than a couple seconds. By the time they got a phone out and in the direction, you know, that thing was gone. Uh, most of the sightings were at night. And uh, that also was a problem. We did get one indiscernible photograph was a daytime sighting. But, you know, we just didn't get the, uh, you know, we just weren't able to get much photographic evidence. We did have people draw sketches, and for the most part, they were fairly consistent with these batwing-type beings. So, um, hmm. I think uh, the mention of the 
the suit, the almost like a, like Batman style suit that this creature was wearing, um, does have some, uh, you know, it does go along the lines of if the, if you go back to the old Spring Heel Jack reports, you do get this mention of him wearing this almost like spandex suit, um, you know, very similar to what Batman would wear, mm-hmm. um, the original Batman. So I don't know if there's a I don't know if there's a link there, but. Well, you know, we've looked into a lot of that, and um, from what we determined, and by some of the maneuvers this thing did when it was flying, uh, there's just no way this is human. I mean, just no way. In fact, some of the sightings were right downtown and along the river, and, you know, they don't call Chicago the Windy City for nothing, and the fact that it was somebody in a suit jumping off a building they would have gone splat somewhere instead of flying off and doing maneuvers up and around <laughs> top of bridges and underneath bridges and such. The uh, the flying was fairly complicated and, you know, something that a, a person in a suit wouldn't be able to accomplish. Mm. The fact that it operates within our physics, um, you know, going back to that, you know, the, the couple that had the land on the car, Mm-hmm. Was there much damage to the car? Because I'm presuming that, you know, if it operates within our physics, which it seems to, then we presume that it would be, very, you know, very light as a, you know as a being. Wouldn't have, you know much weight to it? Well, there were scratches on the car. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is another thing about me believing that they were different beings because, in that case, the being had detached arms. It had several it had its own arms attached from the the body and was de- attached to the wing but we also had sightings where the the arm and the wing were attached to each other yeah so uh you know we got both type of reports okay but going back to this sense of dread and you know foreboding that people feel for a minute i mean you get that with other cryptids like the dogman for instance mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people say the same thing you know when they see it there are a lot of people one of the words that people use to describe it the most is evil it felt like an evil coming from it and and with that lady there where she says uh, she felt like it knew where she lived a lot of people feel that with dogman and, and obviously there's quite a few encounters where people uh, have this thing turned up on the property so it's i mean do you, does that Happened in Mothman sightings. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some, some, you know, I, I'd say early on, especially the uh, the people, the, the witnesses would state that they had a sense of foreboding, uh, like this thing had was individually se- uh, uh, separating them as far as the sighting goes. You know, and there, there were all, you know, another interesting thing about this were. A lot of times these things showed up in crowds and it didn't seem that not, it, it seemed that not everybody was able to see it. Yeah. Um, that happens in UFO cases as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's, if, if it has the ability to cloak itself somehow or, you know, from other, other people and it, it intentionally allows others to see it. I, I don't know if that's the case. Not, it does seem that way. Hmm. But, um, do you, get, you know, do you get, go ahead. Sorry, so I was going to say, do you get the sense that it's almost doing, it's almost showing itself to people to cause 
um, you know, unrest within people. You think they get mm-hmm. some sort of enjoyment out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's similar to what happened with the Mothman sightings. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like it was, you know, it was there to specifically make sure that it was seen. Yeah. For whatever reason, you know, that Harbinger theory uh, was said to was, you know, it was part of the lore of the uh, of the Mothman sighting after the bridge collapsed and forty six people passed away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you talk about what was going on in and around Chicago. Uh, that's, you know, people were familiar with the Mothman and, and the Harbinger or Portent of Doom type of scenario or thoughts that accompanied what happened in Point Pleasant. And I'll be quite frank with you, in, in July and August of 2017, I was getting literally 20 to 25 calls per day from people who were asking questions as to what I thought this thing was and if they were in danger. They didn't see it, but they were concerned about it. Yeah. Well, they say they didn't see it. I guess least, well, they say they didn't see it. <laughs> sort of a male, because it's not something that you readily share. You know, and you know, the number of reports we got seems like a lot, but I'm quite sure there were a lot of people that never... I never reached out to us. Yeah, because, I mean, this is not a rural area, is it? It's not, you know, we, we get sightings here of the, the uh, you know, of, of a black cat. Uh, yeah. You probably heard about it. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's quite a rural area and still people see this thing. But, you know, in a, in a major town or city, you know, there's always eyes. But then again, a lot of people go through life without ever looking up. Well, that's so, right. They're too worried about looking at their yeah. cell phone. You know, I um, you know, I, I believe that. Well, and I and I know that uh, these sightings in Chicago. This was actually the first time something like this has been seen in an urban setting like this um, that we know. But I'm pretty sure that that's the case. Yeah. I, I don't know of any other type of really, quite frankly, any cryptid that that was seen. Uh, in this number, in in an urban area like this, so uh, yeah, uh, these these are historical sightings, in my opinion. I mean, you know, it's it's something that really hasn't been known before. So, you know, this I don't know if it's something that's going to continue, going to show up in other areas, but uh, you know, the fact that we're still getting sighting reports. And uh, that they remain fairly consistent. I tend to believe this is something that we're going to be dealing with for a while. Mm. It's interesting that it comes in waves, almost. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. What about missing time? I mean, is that does that crop up in these cases? No, that yeah. that's that we haven't had any that I can remember any missing time scenarios. Okay, that's interesting. So, you know, are you working on? Um, an alien abduction case at the moment. Uh, you know, what's is there? Is there much details you can share about that case? Well, I, I've been working on. I have worked on several alien abduction cases over the years. Uh, the one in particular that I have worked with since 2010 has been the David Eckhart uh, encounters and abductions. 
this is a gentleman, his family who, who experienced multiple abductions, sometimes up to three times a week in their home. And, um, he had made many attempts to report to MUFON and other reporting agencies, but they just never really paid much attention to him until I finally decided to look into it, contacted him. And quite frankly, it, it's been, it's been a saga since then. I mean, this is something that he's been dealing with though. That, you know, he, he didn't have, um, the consistent encounters, uh, from around 2011 up into the uh, the fall of last year, uh, 2018. But for w- whatever reason, and he does live in another house now, uh, he has continued to, this has picked up again. The, the thing is, this time around, they're different beings. And these these beings are more human-like, as opposed to the uh, the greys and the reptilians that he encountered previously. Uh, these beings, for the most part, don't leave. I mean, they come in. It almost seems like they come in shifts. They come in and out. There's a portal in 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 the area of the bedroom that he has taken uh, videotape or recorded. Uh, we've got hundreds of hours of video, but it's just, it, it, it's hard to discern some of what is going on. It's, it's an ongoing thing with me. Uh, I'm, re- I'm actually writing a book now about alien encounters and David's saga is going to be a part of that book, plus other plus other uh, investigations that myself and my colleagues have been involved with over the years. And that sounds interesting. So uh, I'm presuming from that he doesn't enjoy these encounters. Enjoy? Yeah, because you, uh, you get people that that um, you know look forward to abductions almost like some sort well, of spiritual I, I, I can't say that about David no, <laughs> he's, like he's kind of frustrated over, over the years this is something that he enjoys I'd say uh, he's he's somewhat frustrated they have uh, they have done a lot of things that ha- haven't helped him yeah. uh, you know and yeah, he's at the point now. He wished would, he would. He really wished it would stop. I mean, it's just it, it's it's kind of cramped in his lifestyle. It's caused uh, problems within his family and such. And um, you know, he's you know he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, so to say. Indeed. What 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 makes you? Uh, what's your inklings as to why the shifting beings? <clears throat> I don't know, and he doesn't know either. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't understand that. I, I don't get, know what's going on. Does, does he get the sense that they're working together? Oh, I, I do believe they are. Yeah. I mean, um, the uh, these humanoids, and they, they they remind you humans. I mean, they evolved humans are uh, some type of humanoid being 
they do work with reptilian beings occasionally because some have shown up as well, as well as also tall and smaller greys. Um, this doesn't seem to be <clears throat> this doesn't seem to be uh, separate, you know, separate sightings. These are these are coordinated. They seem to work together somehow. Yeah. Uh, the communication. The earlier sightings that he had experienced, the earlier sightings and abductions he had experienced, uh, he was able to communicate, uh, for the most part, to, uh, through telepathy. But for some reason, these beings do not want to communicate with him. And it, it has really left him frustrated. And that's something that he's attempting to bridge the gap now, but... So far, it hasn't been successful. Hmm. So, but he has obtained some fairly interesting video and some screenshots and such, which I have presented on the site and I have presented on the blog and all. Uh, but like I said, it'll be part of the book. It's you know we're gonna, you know I'm gonna give our theories out as to what's been going on. Uh, you know, quite frank, I couldn't tell you right now what it is. You know. This is an ongoing thing. So, during all your research, then, has has there been any times where you're, you know, you've almost shifted gears on a on a certain creature, you know, something that you believe didn't believe in, now you do, or something you you didn't necessarily believe in, but now you do. Uh, has there been any of those sorts of moments? Uh, I I believe my uh, my thoughts on the alien question has changed over the years i have i'm an i'm an actual experiencer myself i have had three encounters during my lifetime i had one abduction that i know of i have been shown a lot of different things over that time but now i had nothing i had seen or had experienced nothing until i met david so uh they explained to him earlier that when I started becoming involved with examining what was going on with him, that I was made part of this. And, you know, I didn't believe that at first until I had the first encounter. Then, you know, scenes believing, you know. No, oh, indeed. Indeed. Now, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the Bigfoot sighting that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to tell us that first? Now, then I've got a question for you. Okay, well, this happened in uh, May of uh, of 1981. I was a, I was actually fishing. Uh, you know, my interest in cryptozoology, you know, kind of it kind of began that day. And, you know, I had been involved with uh, the paranormal for many years. I had had, um, I knew I was intuitive. I knew I had done investigations. I actually lived near Gettysburg, so I was on the battlefield a lot. Mm. I had a lot of experiences on the battlefield. Uh, the day of the encounter was May 9th, 1981. It was about 10 in the morning. I was actually fly fishing on the uh, south branch of the Tapsco River, which is uh, approximately one mile downstream from Route 32, which is near Sykesville, Maryland. 
nice sunny day, low 60s. I was on a uh, fairly shallow part of the river area I've been previously many times. I was on the south bank when I noticed a uh, mixed breed dog on the other side of the river that was sniffing around the weeds and the thickets on that north bank. It was about 50 yards from me, and he was kind of weaving in and out of the brush. I didn't pay much mind. I just knew he was there. So um, after a few minutes or so, I heard the dog barking and growling. Now, I figured he may have stirred up a deer. So I looked in the direction of the ruckus, and I noticed a dark, hairy creature bobbing up and down in the thicket. Now, I stopped fishing, moved a little closer to get a better look, and noticed that the dog, the dog had stopped barking. But then suddenly I heard a yelp from the dog, and this creature stood up. The best I could tell was it was about seven to eight foot and had dark matted hair, uh, but it was sparse somewhat around the face and the shoulder and on the torso and such. It was a, uh, I could see the body from the chest up because the rest of the body was obscured by the weeds and the thickets. I stood completely still and I could hear a series of ticking sounds coming from it. Um, uh, as this thing slowly walked through the thickets toward the woods, I started to try to start and follow it, but I had waiters on. And in the meantime, I kind of noticed uh, a musky scent like fox urine, uh, even though I was about maybe 40 yards away from it. Um, like I said, I had waders on. It was hard for me to move to get towards this thing. It, it simply just turned around and started heading up the woods and too fast and more to keep up with it. So uh, I the best description was... It looked like, and I've said this from the beginning, it looked like a Neanderthal. It looked more human than it did ape-like. Mm. Uh, it was, uh, though it did have aspects of the uh, the typical Bigfoot with the, the kind of uh, con the conical head, but it had a face like a Neanderthal. A lot of hair, definitely male. I could see the genitals of this thing. But when, you know, it kind of watched me and when, you know, it noticed I was watching, it, it turned on a dime and started heading up the woods. So, uh, you know, I decided to go back to my car and drive into, back into Sykesville and make an immediate report to the authorities. Now, on the, the way back to the vehicle, I noticed a dog. He had crossed the river. He was on my side. He had blood around the neck and the hind area. But he was getting around okay, so I just figured he would be all right. I um, I drove to the nearest telephone, which was actually located outside of a bar on the, on the, uh, the uh, riverbank. The local police told me to go back to the area and that they would meet me there. So um, I got back to the car. I started to drive back toward the river. It was no more than three, a three-minute drive back. By the time I got there, there was a Maryland State Police cruiser already there. 
the state police officer told me to get back in my car and to leave immediately because they didn't know how dangerous the situation was. Not, I, I tried to explain to him that I had the initial sighting, but he refused to talk to me. He told me to leave. So I got, you know, I turned the car around and headed back. Now I lived in the area, so um, I went back to my place, stayed there about an hour, went back about an hour later, and by that time, this place was crawling with people. And I mean, there were state and other official vehicles. Uh, one guy standing near the road told me that he had heard somebody found hair and some other things. I, you know, he wasn't really specific. I talked to a uh, Howard County police officer. They had tape and they had a cordon off. I asked him. He told me, I said, you know, I acted dumb and I was asking, I said, well, but what's going on? He said, somebody said they saw a Bigfoot, you know. So uh, I didn't tell him that I was the one who had the reporting. But there was. Um, it's interesting there were, that you said that matter of fact, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the place was crawling with people. It was uh, state, state officials, federal officials at that time. The federal government, they used to drive those black wagoneers. I don't know if you know what a, a wagoneer is. But uh, I guess they were like the early SUV of the time. But there was uh, they had a, a tent set up on the other side of the river. There were people with dogs combing the woods in the area along the river. I heard a helicopter. It was crazy, you know. I didn't. I ne would have never expected that type of um, that type of reaction. I did find out later that um, apparently there was a report of probably this being down the river a couple miles, and uh, that they were actually out looking for this thing. Now, why they would be looking for it? I have no idea. You know, I've speculated over the years that maybe this was some type of uh, uh, experimental thing that has escaped. It's an area that has a lot of uh, a lot of government buildings, a lot of government facilities. I mean, this was just out. This was outside of Baltimore. We were kind of in between Baltimore and uh, and Washington D.C. So that area has a lot of federal facilities I have told a lot of stories over the years that it was possibly a uh, a facility that had actually been doing experimentation though I can't prove that but it was quite odd and it was unusual and the response was was uh, aggressive and kind of overblown so I don't it's always been something that's fascinated me yeah I mean, how long do you think it was in those reeds before the dog walked up? Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. I never, I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't see it come there yeah. and get there. I was probably there about an hour before this all happened. So uh, it, it was probably there a, a while. Hmm. That's interesting. So it was probably just observing you, possibly. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's obviously been causing trouble somewhere else for the response that it got. Um, well, there was a sighting, and I, I got that sighting off the BFRO um, a couple of years later when it was finally reported that a woman in outside of Marriottsville, Maryland, which is approximately three to four miles downstream from where I was, hmm. made a report earlier that morning. So uh, I'm quite sure it was the same thing. But this part of uh, this part, and, it, and it's it's in near State Park. This area has had sightings over the years. Yeah. And in fact, there was uh, there was a flap of sightings back in the early '70s that uh, people were calling the Sykesville monster, and uh, it was a, a a time when. Homes were being broken into. People were seeing this thing uh, in several of the small communities up and down the river. You know, after I had this encounter in 8081, I uh, actually took it myself to, to talk to a lot of the witnesses from the p previous flap. And I actually discovered eight more witnesses who had never made a report originally. So this is something that had been going on for a while, even though my sighting was almost seven years after that 73 flap. Uh, my sighting was still dubbed the Sykesville monster. So where do you where do you stand now on on the Bigfoot? Where 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 would you place it if it's possible? It's you know the Bigfoot is a big enigma. That's an enigma. I mean you know there there are areas. I'm talking about here in North America. I, there are areas where I believe it could be an indigenous species, mm -hmm. like the uh, like the Pacific Northwest, possibly Florida. Uh, East Texas, Louisiana, and such. I, I believe it very well could be a breeding population in those areas. But for the most part, I think the other sightings are possibly a being that's interdimensional. And, you know, there have been theories about the connection between UFOs, aliens, and Bigfoot, which some of the evidence does point towards that. I mean, in Pennsylvania alone, there have been sightings of UFOs and Bigfoot, you know, at the same time. Yeah. So, um, you know, who knows what it is. Yeah, where do you stand on the, on the uh, you know, we've got to shoot one, bring one in to to find out what's going on once and for all. It's not my preference. No. Uh, I, I'd hate to see one shot, especially think I believe since I believe they are very closely related to humans if they are indigenous, but, you know, who knows what they are. I, um, I, I, I am not one that advocates killing it but I am realistic enough to know that the only way we're going to be able to prove what this thing is, is by having a body. So, yeah, you know, I'm torn somewhat, but 
you know, there, there's, you know, people are on all sides of this question and, uh, it does cause some arguments within the community a lot of times, but oh, yeah, yeah. you know, I, 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 but I, you know, I am being realistic. I mean, you know, that's the only way we're going to find out what it is. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I would go along with that. Um, the only thing that's changed in my mind about that question is, uh, you know, maybe we've got, maybe as humans, we feel like we've got a right to know. <clears throat> and well, you know, that may very well be, but I, yeah. I'd hate I'd hate to see a situation where somebody goes in the woods hunting this thing, and they end up shooting a human. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, and uh, that's a strong. You know, I've seen people killed. I mean, not seen killed, but I've been. In, I've seen situations where people were killed while doing regular about regularly hunting deer and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're in there hunting hairy hominids, who knows how many people would get hurt. Yeah. I just want to ask you, you know, based on yourself doing that, you know, obviously, if you want to call it a psychic ability, this remote viewing, mm-hmm. um, where do you stand on the people who say that, because this is one of the things that always used to bug me with uh, Bigfoot reports, you know, this mind speak. But then over the years, I've sort of softened on that a little bit because... You, you get so many accounts of it, and then I have to start questioning myself for doubting it. So, with your innate ability, and whether that's you know something that can be trained in all humans, do you think it's possible that mind speak is possible within? It, it, it's possible. Uh, is it probable? I don't know. You know. I, I, you know, me and others have used uh, remote viewing and uh, our own psychic abilities in a lot of different ways of trying to get answers to a lot of questions. And quite frankly, I've it it has been used personally to uh, as a kind of fact finding tool. But I beyond that. It's never going to be able to. You're never going to be able to positively prove something by using it. Kind of leads you in directions to investigate, but beyond that, I, I really don't see where it's going to, uh, you know, prove positive as to what a phenomena is. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Well, I want to thank you again for joining me tonight. No problem. It's been. Uh been interesting i see you know obviously all the cases and you know and your knowledge is uh second to none so yeah we'll look forward to that book as well well i appreciate you having me on yeah no worries is there any links that you would like to share before yeah the fans and monsters.com is the blog link uh all my books are on amazon you know you just search my name and it'll come up all right, well, uh, have a great day, and uh, thank you very much for joining me. Okay, you take care now. Cheers, mate. Mm, bye-bye. So thank you very much to Lon there. Like I say, very interesting guy. Loads of knowledge. Uh, you know, look at the Phantoms Monsters website. There's tons of stuff on there. Uh, we'll definitely have to speak again, maybe cover, cover some of the other subjects. So uh, look forward to that in the future. Okay, we're going to be running a t-shirt competition. Um, It's available via email or 
Facebook. So if you're interested in getting one of our t-shirts and you would like to get one for free, then this is the place to do it. All you got to do is go onto Facebook and there'll be a post there. All you got to do is just tell us which one is your favourite episode and hopefully, you know, at least a line as to why. Um, same on email. If you if you don't have Facebook, and I know a lot of you don't, then feel free to email us uh, the answer to that question. And then uh, everyone that enters, even if people say the same episode, that's fine. Anybody that enters will be put into a draw, and next week's show will reveal the winner. So, hey, it's a free T-shirt. I think it looks pretty cool. So if you want one and you want it for free, come on, why not, you know? I don't know why you wouldn't want to buy one, right? Well, if you want one for free. So uh, that's the way to do it. So thank you very much for joining us tonight. And uh, have a great week. And we will see you on the other side. Well, they've gone. No, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights. Other stars for us to watch. They'll be back.